Well, that first Easter morning, um, some ladies went to the tomb, and they looked in the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And I want to read to you a section of scripture out of Luke chapter 24, because this is what it says. It says, while they were wondering about this, about this empty tomb, about where Jesus' body might be, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Can we celebrate just for a second of the risen Christ that the tomb is empty, that God is alive? We don't serve a dead God, but we serve a God who is living, who works in our lives, who who speaks to our hearts. And my prayer this morning is that God will speak to your heart, that we would be encouraged, that we would be challenged by the message this morning as we wrap up this series called Thy Kingdom Come. We're going to be looking in uh, Matthew chapter 13 again this week. It's where we've been for this whole series. Um, Specifically in verses 44 through 46, I want to talk to you briefly about that. Then we're going to go to some other scriptures or another scripture that we'll wrap up with. But it says in Matthew chapter 13 verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Let's pray and jump in. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is living, it's active, it speaks to our hearts, God. I pray that your good seed, God, of your word would find a place in our heart and it would produce fruit in our lives, Lord. Would you come by the power of your Holy Spirit and transform us, challenge us, God, equip us, God, through your word to do the things that you have in mind for us to do, Lord. I pray that I would be able to get out of the way, God, so that Jesus can be seen. I pray that I would be able to get out of the way, God, so that the power of the Holy Spirit can be felt and, and God, that you can transform hearts this morning. We love you, God, and thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. How many of you have ever done something that as, as, when you finished it, you look back on it and you were like, it just wasn't worth it. Like it wasn't worth the effort. Anybody ever done that? You got through with something, you're just like, it just wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth the effort I put in. Uh, maybe for some of you, you've done this. Um, I know I have where you go to a movie and you spend like $25 for a couple of tickets to get into the movie. And then you spend about $75 on popcorn and Coke. You know what I'm talking about? And some Reese's Pieces. And, 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 and then you spent, you know, busted a hundred bucks there at the movie theater and you get in the movie and you watch the movie and, and it's no good. Like it was a terrible movie and you feel like it just wasn't worth it. I spent my time, I spent my money and it wasn't worth it. Um, another thing that I think about is sometimes um, desserts, like you eat a dessert and you're like, oh, that was worth it. You know, that was worth the calories, ladies. Like I hear ladies a lot of times, they'll say, oh, I ate that. It just wasn't worth the calories right? But, but sometimes we eat and we're like, oh, it was worth it. I'll take that, right? And uh, so we talk about that. I remember when I was 10 years old going to Disney World and we got down there and we went to a ride uh, that we stood in line for three hours to get on. Three hours. I was 10 years old. Can you imagine how long that felt? It felt like an eternity. I thought I'd died and gone to hell, to be honest, for that length of time. <laughs> And so I was, I was standing there. We finally get in the ride. People had told us how incredible this ride was. We get in the ride, go through the ride. If you've been to Disney World, you'll understand my disappointment. It was, it's a small world, that, that ride. And, 
and, and it was just, it was the lamest ride I've ever been on. That's the only way I know to put it. And so I, uh, I, I, I was disappointed. It wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth the three hours I stood in line to get on that ride. Um, but here's the thing I will tell you. One of the things that I know is worth it because I've seen it in my own life is following Jesus. One of the things that is worth it is when we surrender our life to him and follow him. And I, I want you to understand that when Jesus calls you to come to him, and you say yes to his invitation, it means you sell out everything. Just like we see in these, this parable, these two parables, that these men sold everything they had, and they, they, they went to buy the treasure that represents the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is manifest through the church, and, and then uh, Jesus is obviously the king. And so they're saying it's worth it for us to sell everything to have this. The pearl, it was worth it to sell everything to have this. And so I want you to first and foremost know that it is worth it. It's worth it to follow Christ. It's worth it to surrender everything, even the things that you sometimes may feel it's not worth it. I, I don't want to give up this for Christ. I'm telling you, you'll never give up things for Jesus that you regret in the long run because following God's worth it. Amen. Y'all are more lively than the 9 o'clock. <laughs> Nothing against the 9, but this ought to be fun, right? This ought to be a good time. It's not some time that we ought to come in and sleep. It ought to be a time where we can be encouraged in the word. And so it's worth it. It's worth it to come to church to hear the word. It's worth it to follow Jesus. But here's the thing that I sometimes wonder because we see that everybody who followed Jesus in scripture, they gave everything. It says in the parable of the treasure that the man went in joy and sold everything. But sometimes I, I look at what Jesus has done for us and I look at our unwillingness to surrender and I wonder what the difference, why is that there? Why is that gap there? And I was thinking about some of the things that Jesus did for us. And I want to just tell you a few of those things. That one, he, he gave us life when we wouldn't have had life, right? He gave us life. Two, he took our sin upon himself. He went to the cross, bore the wrath and the judgment of God on us. He was condemned so that we could be set free. He was condemned so that we wouldn't be judged. He was condemned so that we could have the life that, that we, we have now and, or can have in Christ. He, he, was, he was condemned so that we could enjoy a relationship with God, that we could be reconciled to God. He brought us back to God. He, he reconciled us with him. Then Jesus went into a tomb for three days and, and the devil thought he had won and people thought that Jesus was wrong. And, and, and then three days later, God rolls away the stone and Jesus comes out alive. And then a few days after that, he ascended into heaven and he sits now at the right hand of the Father. And it says that when he ascended into heaven, he sent back the Holy Spirit, the, 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 other, the third person in the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, he sent back to us to empower us, to equip us, to encourage us, to challenge us, to give us courage, to give us boldness, to share the love of Christ with other people, to share the word of God with other people, to transform us. He sent the Holy Spirit. How good is that? How awesome is that? That the living God is living in us, right? We're not dead, we're, we're alive and we'll live forevermore because God's life is in us. And so Jesus did all of these things for us. He works in our hearts so he can work through our lives. He's done all of this for us. Now, how many of y'all did find that appealing? How many of y'all find that to be something that you would want? I mean, you can raise your hand. This is not, not like I'm just asking the question to ask it. I'm serious about this one. Like, yeah, we, we want that, right? Most of you raise your hand and say, I want that. Then why is it that we see such a, a disparity between what we say we want and what we're willing to do or what we're willing to surrender to. Why is that gap there? 
Why is it different? Because we hear what Jesus has done for us, and we say, man, that is awesome. That sounds good. It sounds like something I want. But then why do so many people reject it? Especially in our culture, why do so many people reject the gospel? Why do so many people reject Jesus? See, I want you to understand, it's not just the atheist who said, I don't believe in God who rejects him. It's the person who says, I believe in God, but you continue living like an atheist. You continue living as though God doesn't have any, any, any speak, any say-so in your life. That he can't speak into your life. It's making decisions without consulting God. It's rejecting God. It's, it's doing nothing. It's when the gospel is presented. Jesus is before us, and we, we don't grab hold of it by faith. We just let it pass by. It's apathy where we just sit idle. It's disobedience where we know where, that God's telling us what we should do and take our next steps and where we should go and, and the things we should say and the things he wants to transform in our lives for our good and for his glory. But we turn our backs on that and we go the other way. See, that's, that's all rejecting God. Sometimes we don't think we're rejecting him, but we've turned our back to God. We're not, we're not pursuing him. We're not surrendering to him. But in scripture, we see very clearly that it's always about the surrender. Everybody that comes to follow Jesus surrenders everything. We're called to die to ourselves so that we can live for God. But we reject him so many times. And here's a question that I would ask you and I want you to really think about is this. Could the reason that that gap exists be that maybe, maybe we're missing something? Maybe we're missing something in, in, in this religious world. Maybe we're missing something in church world. Maybe we're missing something in our relationship with God, if we want to call it a relationship. Maybe we're missing something. Because the thing I see in Scripture, again, is that they sold everything to go after Jesus. But when I look around at church and the Big C Church and I look at some of the things that have been done and the things that are said and the way lives are lived, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of times that I look at it and I'm like, no wonder people don't come to God when they look at us, right? It's, it's not Jesus that they have a problem with. A lot of times it's the people who claim to be his followers. And so what we've got to do is realize that, that he calls us to this relationship. But I think a lot of times we've settled for just a religious system, to just be religious. And maybe that's what you've experienced all of your life. Maybe you're here today and, and what you've experienced all of your life has been more of a religious system than it has a relationship with God. Maybe people haven't pointed you to a relationship with Jesus. It's just always been about the do's and the don'ts. I'm here to tell you this morning, and I really want you to hear this, that there's more to it than do's and don'ts. There's more to it than just stuffy churches where people look unhappy and discontent and just mad, right? How many of you ever been to church and people just, they look mad? I'm like, we got the best news in the world. Why are we so angry? Why are we so bitter? Why are we so sad? Why are we so mad? I'm like, we got the greatest news in the world. We know the risen Savior. We know the God of the universe. When we look at all those things that God's done for us, it comes together in one nutshell that says, God loves you. 
God loves me. He gave himself so that we could have life. He promised to be our shepherd, to protect us and to guide us. He promised to lead us. He sent his Holy Spirit to empower us. He's done all of these things for us. And, and, but when I look around so much at what goes on in church, it, it's not that. It's not life-giving. It, anything, it seems to choke the life out of us. And I'm here to tell you that there's more to it than that. There's more to God. There's more to God than a religious system. Unfortunately, the, the vast majority of what we sometimes see is just about a system. It's just about religion. When I say religion, I mean having a lot of rules without a relationship with God. I believe this with all my heart, that if we'll come to Jesus, then he'll change our heart. I, I believe this. If you'll put your focus on Christ, he'll do a work in you so that he can do a work through you that will bring him glory. And we have to come and surrender everything to him, though. We can't hold back. We come and give him all of our life, and he begins to mold it and shape it and, and create us into the people that he wants us to be, the people we were destined to be, the people he created us in the first place to be. But we've got to come to him, not some religious system that just gives us a bunch of rules that just begins to pile things on. I want us to spend the rest of our time in Matthew chapter 23. And in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus rips into the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious leaders. They would have been like the pastors of their day. And he, he, he really lays into them pretty good because they're focusing on religion rather than focusing on a relationship with God. Listen to these first four verses in chapter 23. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But listen, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads, cumbersome loads, and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. How many of you do a lot of grocery shopping? You go grocery shopping from time to time? Anybody in here go to grocery shopping? Yeah. What do you do when you get home with the groceries? You go out there and you begin to unload them. But you try to see how many grocery bags you can get at one time, right? Everybody does this. You just start stacking them on your arm and, and seeing how many you can get. You got them you know, on your foot. You're like trying to get them all in because it come, becomes a challenge that I'm going to get them in, right? I, I've even done it before. I'm like, just give me some more. I think I can get them. Just trying to get all of them at one time so you don't have to make another trip. But, but I think about that and I think about it. The more of those you add, the heavier it gets. And that's what Jesus is talking about in, this, in that section of Scripture, is he saying the problem is that, that they keep putting more on you. They keep giving you another rule. The Pharisees had come up with like 613 rules that they had to follow and that the people had to follow in order to be right, to make themselves righteous. And the problem is none of them could follow it perfectly, and so they weren't able to ever be righteous. Nobody could do it on their own, right? And so Jesus was ripping into them because they're saying, you're not focusing on God, you're focusing on the system. You're not focusing on knowing Jesus or knowing God, Jesus is the one saying it, standing right in front of them, and they don't recognize him. They're so focused on their rules and their system. And so I want you to be able to see this morning that the whole purpose of this message and the whole intent of this message is to hopefully help you see that there is more to God than just a system. There's more to God than just rules. There's more to God than do's and don'ts. 
And I want you to see some of these because I believe our experience has taught us some things about Jesus, has taught us some things about the church, has taught us some things about the kingdom that, that, that aren't true. What if maybe our experience has lied to us about who God is, what Jesus is like? And so in verse 13, it says this in, in chapter 23. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. A hypocrite is someone who acts like there's someone they're not. It came from a, a, out of the theater, actually, where people would wear a mask and they would perform different roles. And so he's saying, listen, you've you got on one face, but your heart somewhere else is basically what he's saying. He says, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. I want to unveil maybe like an onion, pull back some layers of, of, of maybe lies, layers of experience that maybe we've bought into about what Jesus is like and what church is like. And the first thing I want to tell you, the first lie I want you to understand is that religion, is, is that religion can't save you. That's the truth. The lie is that religion can save you. Religion can't save you. That's what Jesus is saying to them in this, this section of this, the, the woes is what it's called, the, this section of Matthew. He's saying, listen, here's the problem. These, these are some of the best people. They were, some, they were good. They tried to live for God. They tried to do godly things. But Jesus is saying, listen, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. The point is about a relationship with me. He's saying you'll never be good enough on your own. Because our standard is not good. Our standard is perfection. Our standard is, is, is perfection like God is perfect, is holy like God is holy. And the problem is that none of us can attain to that. There's not one person in here who is perfect. Not one person in here who's got it all together. We're all broken people. We're all in need of a Savior. We've just got to be willing to admit our need. But we're broken. Not one, we're all jacked up in some way, Right? We can't come in here and act like we're perfect, like we've got it all together because nobody does. And that's the point of this. Jesus is telling them, look, you're not entering the kingdom because you can't save yourself. And then you're going and you're trying to bring other people in, but what are you bringing them to? It's a religion. This rules without a relationship won't save you. Verse 15, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you succeed, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. And so in this one, he's, he's ripping into them. He's saying, listen, religion can't fulfill your purpose. They think they're fulfilling their purpose. They're going and they're bringing people into this system. But they're, they're leading them to an empty way of life. So many times we, we think that maybe we're being led towards God, but many times we can be led to an empty way of life where it's just empty. And I'm telling you now that the Savior I know, the God that I know, is not empty. He fulfills you. He gives you what you need in your spirit, in your soul. He gives you the fruit of the Spirit. He gives you love. He gives you joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness and self-control. All of these things He begins to pour into your heart and pour into your life. That's the God that I know. He's a God. God who's alive, who comes to me to, to lead me and help me to lead other people closer to him. That's our purpose. But he's saying you're leading people to an empty way of life. You're never going to realize what you were created for because I'll tell you this, you were created more for more than a religious system. 
You're created to know the God of the universe. You're created for more than a religious system. You're called to be an ambassador for the king, to go and tell others this good news about Jesus. You're created to be a warrior in his kingdom, to take back from the kingdom of darkness what belongs to the kingdom of light. That's what you're called to. That's your purpose. But it can't be fulfilled in a religious system. It's only fulfilled. I'm preaching hard as I can preach, guys. I'm sorry. But the reality is that a religious system will never allow you to fulfill the reason that you were created, which is glorifying God and drawing other people close to him. Listen to verses 16 through 22. Woe to you, blind guides. You say if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men. Which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. That's really wordy. But what they're really trying to do is rig their system. They're trying to rig their system to get what they want. They're more interested in the gold in the temple and the gifts on the altar than they are interested in God. They're not interested in him. The, the, the next lie that, that I want you to hear and I want to peel back the layer on is that religion can fulfill you. Religion cannot fulfill you. It can't help you fulfill your purpose, and it cannot fulfill you. Jesus bumped into a lady at, at a well one day in Samaria, and Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. Jesus is Jewish. She was a Samaritan. They don't typically talk. They didn't, they didn't get along. And so there was, Jesus begins to talk to her. And he begins to tell her, you know, will you get me a drink? And she says, who are you to ask me for a drink? And Jesus goes on to talk with her. Well, it turns out that Jesus reads her mail. He, he tells her, um, he says, go and find your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right, you don't have a husband. You had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. And she's like, oh my gosh, this guy knows everything about me and I haven't told him anything, right? She's freaking out. And Jesus tells her, if you would ask me, I would give you living water. And you'd never thirst again. And she says, give me this water so that I don't have to keep coming back and drawing. But she says, you don't have a bucket. You don't have anything to put the water in. What he was trying to get her to see is that she's the one that's going to be filled. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, if you'll come to me, I'll give you my spirit and I'll fulfill you. All of those men weren't going to fulfill her. All of those other things weren't going to fulfill her. The thing that we need to see is that nothing in this world is going to fulfill us the way that Jesus is there to fulfill us. When he pours out his spirit, the Bible says that when he fills us with his spirit, it'll run out of us. It'll overflow out of us like rivers of living water into the world. It's from, from an overflow that we begin to touch the world and transform the world, but it's there also to satisfy us. Nothing will ever satisfy us apart from a relationship with Jesus. It's why we so often are discontent is because we've taken our eyes off Christ. We've moved away from him and the relationship with him. We're, we're no longer pursuing him. We're not following him. Or maybe we've never known him. And so we're discontent. We're, we're looking for more. I can tell you the times in my life that I am the most satisfied in Christ is when I am the closest to Jesus. And my prayer is that we would draw closer to him today.
Verse 23 and 24, he says, You teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind gods, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. The next lie is that religion can give you God's heart. Religion can't give you God's heart. And in this, he's saying, y'all got so focused on your rules that you've neglected justice and mercy and faithfulness. See, God is in the people business. He's in the people business. He has a heart for people. He loves people. And he's saying, y'all have neglected the people and you're worried about your rules. I believe this is why we can go to church Sunday after Sunday, but still not really care that much about the person sitting next to us that doesn't know the Lord. It's why we can watch people hungry and not do anything about it. It's why we can look at broken people, hurting people, and not do anything about it. It's because we bought into something that says, as long as I do my rules, I'm okay. But what God invites us to is something more, and it's worth it. It's worth giving up everything to come to him. It's worth it. This religious system is not worth it. But God is. A relationship with Jesus is. Verse 25 and 26 says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. See, here's another lie that religion can change you from the inside out. It can't change you. Religion works from the outside in. What religion tells you is that I need to get my life together and then I'm going to come to Christ. But if we wait until our life's together to come to Jesus, we'll never come to Jesus. What Jesus says is if you'll come to me just the way you are, I'll clean you up. I'll do something in your life that you couldn't do for yourself. I'll put my spirit inside of you to give you a new heart, a heart of flesh. And you're going to live a different life, not because you're following a bunch of rules, but because you're following me. And then we see that the joy is in the journey. The joy is in the journey with Jesus. The joy is in the journey with Christ. And see, Jesus changes our heart and puts a new spirit in us that leads us in a different direction. We turn away from sin. We turn away from our old ways. And we turn to life-giving ways that Jesus has for us. But the reality is, so many times, all we've been taught, all we've been told is rules. Don't, don't, don't do drugs. Don't drink. Don't, do, don't have sex before you're married. Don't, don't, don't. And those don'ts, listen, they're good things. And, and they're positive things. But the way we try to get to them is just by our own effort, when the reality of it is, we'll never get to what Jesus wants for us in our own effort. It's got to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's got to be by God working in us that God changes us from the inside out. I remember one time I walked outside my house and my wife was out there just killing our bushes. She was just like chopping up our bushes with some hedge clippers. I'm like, what in the world is she doing? She had a crazy look in her eye. And she was just going to town, just chopping up these, these bushes. And, and I turned around and she handed them to me and she said, how about finish that? And so I was like, we're, we're going to kill the bushes. She said, just cut them down. So I started cutting them down. I started doing like I got the crazy look in my eye. And then I started cutting down things. And, and the crazy thing about it was, I'm not a gardener, but the crazy thing about it was in a few weeks, they'd come back bushier than they ever were before. They'd come back, back better than they'd ever been. 
and, and I thought we were killing them when I was actually helping them. And the thing I want you to see is that sin often operates that way. It operates from a standpoint, if we don't deal with it where the root is, then it's not going to ever be changed. It's going to just keep coming back. And many times it comes back stronger than it was the first time. And so what I want you to see is that if we'll allow Jesus to change our heart to get to the root of the issue, which is our heart, then we begin to live a different life, but there's joy in it. It's not misery. It's not, it's not just out of sheer discipline. It's out of us pursuing Jesus and Jesus transforming who we are. That's why we do this. That's what this is all about. Is knowing Christ, knowing Jesus, being in a relationship with him. Verse 27, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. See, religion can't give you life. Religion can't give you life. Only Jesus can do that. We go to church many times and we, we try to look good, right? We try to put on the face. We try to act like we got it all together, knowing that our lives going to hell in a handbasket, right? Our marriage may be falling apart, but somebody asks you, how are you doing? And what do we say? Blessed and highly favored by the Most High God. I'm good. <laughs> knowing that things aren't that right, knowing that things aren't that well, and, and I'm telling you that we fake it, and the reality is that faking it can't give us life. Only Jesus can give us life. Only Jesus can set us free. Only Jesus can deliver us from the things that hold us down. I'm telling you, we don't serve a God who's dead. We serve a God who is alive. The tomb is empty, and he is living. And if you're in Christ, he's living in you. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, God's not through He's not through with you. God's not done. God's not finished working in you. And God's not finished working through you. And we've got to come to a place where we let the life of Jesus overflow out of us into the world. We've got to come to a place where we're so full of God that the leftover, the overflow of God goes into the world and begins to change what God is doing because the life of God is so powerful in us. The last section there, woe to the te you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. Jesus is telling them, look, you... you you're far from God. Religion can't bring you close to God. And he's, he's telling them in this, you're just like your ancestors were. He's saying they killed the prophets. And now he's telling them, look, you're, you're going to end up killing me, the greatest prophet, the Messiah, the anointed one. You're going to kill me. And so he says, go ahead. Go ahead and complete what your ancestors started. But see, the problem is that religion can't bring you close to God. These are supposed to be the most religious people in the land, and yet they were far from God. This is how far from God they were. They were so far from God that God was standing in front of them, and they couldn't see him. That's how far from God they were. That's a long ways. 
But I wonder how many times have we been in God's presence when God has been trying to work in our heart, when God's been knocking on the door of our heart, but we wouldn't let him in or we didn't recognize him. We just went through the motions because the motions are safe. I can still go through the motions and be in control of my life. But God's saying this, your control is just a a, a mirage. Your control doesn't actually exist. So why don't you surrender your life to the one who is in control? The one who can do something about the situation. The one who can do something about our heart. Is it worth it? Yes. Is it worth it? To go back to that first question. Is it worth it? It's absolutely worth it. It's worth it to know Christ. It's worth it to be in a relationship with Jesus. It's worth it to be pursuing God. It's worth it to have his life in your, in, inside of you, living, giving you life. It's worth it. But I can tell you this. It's not worth giving up everything for a man-made religious system. It is worth giving up everything to follow the living God and to be in a relationship with the living God. It is worth it. It is worth it. You don't get to the end of your life and regret having followed Jesus. It's worth it. What is it to you? And when I ask that question, I mean this. What is it that keeps you from following Jesus? Is it maybe your dignity? Maybe your dignity. Maybe you're worried about what others are going to think. But see, I'd be more thoughtful about what God's going to think. Because at the end of the day, the person sitting next to you, they're not God. So what is it? Is it dignity? Maybe it's your intellect. See, listen, there's a lot of people who struggle with this because it doesn't make sense. Listen, it's not all gonna make sense right now, but I would challenge you to explore the scriptures. I would challenge you to dig because here's the great thing about Christianity is you don't have to check your mind at the door in order to understand why Jesus did what he did. We can understand what God did and why he did it, but we need to dig in and we need to ask God to give us that understanding. Maybe it is wealth. Maybe it's money. Is that what it is? It's hindering you from following. Maybe it's your family. But I'm telling you the best place for your family to be is in the center of God's will. And if you'll get there, other people will follow you. Maybe it's your past. I'm here to tell you that your past was nailed to a cross. The condemnation for your past was nailed to the cross so that you could be set free. Your guilt was nailed to the cross. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ because of the grace of God. He now says, come boldly before my throne of grace because he's put Jesus's perfection on us. And so I wanna encourage you this morning, if you haven't done that, if you've never been in a relationship with Jesus, then, then why not? It's never, gonna, it's never gonna be the perfect time. You're never gonna have it all together. So why not? Why not come to him today? Say yes to the relationship that he offers you. Why not come to him now? And I'm gonna give you that opportunity. If you're here today, listen, and you would say, I, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't have a relationship with Christ. I don't have that, but I know I need that now. I know that's something that I need in my life. And today, maybe you just came because you felt obligated to come, but the Lord's spoken to your heart. He's knocking on the door of your heart and today's the day that you open that door. If you're here 
today and you feel that way, then I'm gonna ask you that right where you are, you would just raise your hand and say, I need Christ in my life. I need God in my life. I need to know him. That's what I need is salvation. I need to be in that relationship. Anybody here today that says, that's where I'm at. There's a lot of people in here. I get nervous too, but I'm telling you, if the, your heart's beating 100 miles an hour and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, just stick your hand in the air and let us celebrate with you. Amen. Can we pray with you real quick? Somebody take you and pray with Eric and Miss Vivian. We'd be glad to pray with you and help you take your next steps. Who else? You would say you know that today's the day of salvation, Easter Sunday. What a better day to go from death to life in Christ. Anybody here? Anybody here today? Okay. All right. Well, then this is what I want to do. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. Would you stand to your feet? And I don't know what it is for you that hinders you from pursuing Christ. Maybe it's a bad relationship. Maybe it's something that seems to haunt you. But this is what I want to tell you. If you'll surrender to God, if you'll give that to God, He'll take it. It's going to try to come back on you. But the reality is God will take it 100 times a day if that's what it takes for you to continue surrendering. But I want to pray for us that whatever it is, we would surrender that to God. And that we would come to a place where we're, we're following him, where we are, are pursuing him with everything we have. Listen, all of us have an it in our life. All of us have an it, but now it's time to surrender. Now it's time to let Jesus have it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your heart for us and your love for us, your message that says you love us. Thank you for what Jesus has done for us, God. I pray that we wouldn't settle for a man-made system, but we would pursue the living God, that we would pursue after you with everything that's within us, God. Would you overwhelm us by the power of your Holy Spirit? God, whatever it is in our lives, I pray that we would surrender it to you, God. Whether it's fear or anxiety or insecurity or, or, or lust or pornography or a drug addiction or whatever it may be, God, that's hindering us from following you, Lord, would you... Would you take that now as we surrender it to you? Would you begin to free us, God? Would you put us in a process of becoming more like you and continue to walk with us so that we can be the person, the people that you created us to be, God? Lord, just do a great work in us so you can do a great work through us. Holy Spirit, we're dependent on you. We're dependent on you. We can't do it apart from you. So, Lord, I pray that you would work in a mighty way now and even after we've left this place, that you will continue to stir our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys.